And welcome to the Pre-Snap Motion Podcast, episode number 21, week one. We, we're, we're here, man. Rich, week one. We made it. Tomorrow we have football within, well, shit, less than 24 hours. We have real football, man. What's going on? Yeah, it's exciting, man. Week one, we finally made it. I think there was, like, you know, random points of pessimism over the offseason of would we ever even get to this week. And there's probably still some pessimism if we'll get to – week 17 as well, but it is just nice because a lot of us still have a lot of abnormal things going on in our lives surrounding, you know, COVID and what it's done to our work, uh, you know, experience and our kids' school and everything else, but just to have some normalcy of Thursday night football. And I think basketball and baseball coming back have done that a little bit, but it still felt a little different. We'll see if football feels different uh, in that regard, but it's nice to kind of just be back in the process of you know, writing the worksheet, doing podcasts, and especially having to do podcasts with you again, and talking about yeah. just, you know, games and dissecting games again. So there's, there's some normalcy around that that is comforting. Yeah, man. And, you know, we we were talking earlier, like, we've, we've been dealing with this pandemic, obviously, um, since March. But now, like, so I live in Washington, and I was talking to you before this, like, traffic mm-hmm. was terrible. Because not only do we have this pandemic, now I have fires surrounding me. Um, everybody's getting evacuated in the cities kind of across from us. Um, and then in Oregon as well, uh, where I have some family. So um, things are crazy. You know, the apocalypse is upon us. But at least there's going to be football tomorrow. So that's all that really matters, man. Uh, at least I'm we've got Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, we, we got Patrick Mahomes to, uh, to make us feel better. Um, and to Sean Watson. So it's, it's, it's going to be good. Um, so let's, uh, let's just get right into it. Um, before we do that, though, dude, your worksheet is out. Um, it came out today. Yesterday? I mean, you do, yeah, yesterday. I mean, you do two days, well, two, pretty much, yeah, two straight days of, of research and writing and, and fun on this. So I mean, the worksheet, talk about it and uh, fi- tell us where we can find that sweet, sweet worksheet. Yeah, you know, you know where to find it at sharpfootballanalysis.com. But yeah, it's up. It's, you know, it's an article I've now been doing for seven years. It's kind of transitioned and manifested. Seven years. Every year into something different. And this year I put a little spin on it too. But I mean, I'll probably do some, you know, ad living and working around you guys with some of the feedback I've gotten. But still is the most in-depth matchup article that has the most, you know, packed for your punch statistics, uh, betting trends, player trends, and then it only improves as the season goes on. So definitely get on board with that. Put a lot of work into it. Uh, I'm definitely proud to cover as many players as possible and, you know, from different angles than you might see from other places as well. So definitely check that out. Weekly rankings are up this week. Uh, I'll still have DFS columns up and we'll have some showdown coverage, you know, this week. So tomorrow, uh, you know, we're going to be a little more DFS oriented this year. So definitely just keep continuing to plug along with the sharp football analysis dot com uh but you know we got games to talk about so and that's what you that's what you want to go see so anyone we don't talk about on this podcast you go check out the worksheet and see what we got to say about them yeah make sure to do it man you got information in there that you really won't find anywhere else and that's what i love about that article um each and every week and each and every year seven years i can't believe it's been seven years man that's that's crazy uh let's let's get into some news and notes you know we don't do a whole lot of news and notes any in uh during the off season but i think uh when the season hits us it's important to talk about some of these uh some of the important news and notes that we that come upon us. Um, Leonard Fournette, uh, obviously he was released by the Jaguars. 
and then signed by the Bucks. And so what does this really mean for Ronald Jones? Uh, going forward, is Leonard Fournette somebody that uh, you're trusting? And uh, kind of where do we go from here? Like, what, what do you think? He's, he's fallen into the sixth, seventh round sometimes now. So, so where are we at? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends where he falls. If he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, someone wants to reach for in that dead zone, we still weren't, we still weren't drafting him. I think what this transition to the Bucks does, it does two things. Well, one, it lowers his, pro- his like, just projectable ceiling uh, from a touch count because he's going to have more competition with better players, you know, with Ronald Jones, a guy that had over 1,000 yards from scrimmage last year, and then, you know, maybe some passing work with LaShawn McCoy. So just from a touch count, if you were just projecting Leonard Fournette and the Jaguars versus the situation of the Bucks, I mean, his projection just doesn't come out as good. But I do think that this Bucks situation does give him a path to maybe a higher ceiling in his apex range of outcomes that wouldn't have existed in Jacksonville uh, mm. attached to that offense. Uh, granted, I think it's going to be a lot harder for him to get to that apex range of outcomes, but if he were to supplant Ronald Jones, if something were to happen to Ronald Jones, he was able to be the full bell cow for this offense as opposed to the Jaguars offense, there's a higher ceiling for that back if there is one back. The question is, is do we get that? Um, Bruce Arians is still saying all the right things about Ronald Jones, even though we've seen them just immediately go get Leonard Ford at the second he was available. Uh, you know, so it's really hard to buy that. We know Ronald Jones has been you know, kind of uh, mistake prone uh, over his first two years, especially when it comes to like, you know, things that get him pulled off the field, like pass coverage or, you know, drop passes and playing with Tom Brady, Tom Brady will take you off the field in those situations, let alone your coach. Uh, So what it does is it lowers all these guys. I think that, uh, you know, you maybe take some, some later swings when they fall out of that wide receiver rich strike zone in the course of the season, they're more stash guys. They've got a really terrible week one matchup. Although I believe, you know, Ronald Jones will get the first crack and, and get to lead the backfield. They face the Saints team where they listen, the Saints having a lot of 100-yard rusher in a game since Samaj P. Ryan in 2017. So it's not really going to be a great spot. We might see Ronald Jones come out and struggle week one, and then it opens the door in week two for Leonard Fournette to get more work against the Carolina defense where – potentially both those guys yeah. could have fun against yeah. even on uh, carries. But I also believe too, that given this unique season that we're going to see more tanned backfields, at least early in the season in general, I don't think we're going to see a lot of running backs come out and just dominate touches and snaps like we have in years past, at least early in this season with this ramp up period, uh, because I think there's just going to be too much cause of concern for injury. And we've already seen so many guys come up with soft tissue stuff, trying to get, you know, up to full speed, the start of this uh, season. I just think that we'll see a lot of guys, a lot of backfields where maybe Leonard Fournette gets eight to 12 touches and Ronald Jones gets, you know, uh, 10 to 14 touches. A lot of those types of backfields in week one, uh, uh, and then potentially even into like week two and three as just people are getting used to playing speed. Uh, so that's going to be a, a, a unique wrinkle. I think especially from like a DFS stance and end season long week setting lineups is just that I think it's going to be really hard to count on our bell cow running backs early in the season to really deliver. I think the, the, the needle is going to move what a bell cow running back is at least early in the season because coaches are going to be a little cognizant of just not burning these guys out uh, when they haven't been able to play in the preseason right. or do any work. Right. So uh, just real quick, uh, is Keyshawn Vaughn in redraft? Is he uh, a drop for you right now? Oh, easy. Yeah. And redraft. I mean, dynasty, it's a bummer because you okay. overpaid now. Uh, but yeah, I think in yeah. redraft, there's really you overpaid not- then. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah, yeah. You overpaid then. Sorry, but uh, yeah, I don't really see a clear path. Uh, you know, a lot of people were still saying when he got moved to kickoffs, they let Raymond Clay go, uh, and he still probably could return kicks. That he was, you know, going to be in the David Johnson path, you know, because David Johnson returned kickoffs behind Chris Johnson, uh, and then got his chance. But now adding Fournette, I mean, just another hurdle he's going to have to cover. So I still think it's yeah. just a longer path. He's not a guy I'm really interested in, kind of holding on to that hope for right now. Uh, we'll see what happens in season but right now I don't really want to use a roster spot on him all right and then uh the Adrian Peterson signing in Detroit this is unfortunate I mean I mm-hmm. I was huge into DeAndre Swift um carry on Johnson looks like he was pretty much pre- probably gonna start um it sounds like um anyway but you know DeAndre Swift had, Swift had a pretty easy uh, path at touches an opportunity and now with Adrian Peterson signing there what does that do to, to DeAndre Swift and or Kerryon Johnson and the hip injury I think that you know he's dealing with as well we've seen they put Bo Scarborough on IR which also says something about this you know situation and needing yeah. to add another back uh, but I think yeah Bo Scarborough going on IR DeAndre Swift still dealing with that hip injury uh, he was even limited today in practice yep. you know carry on yep. still has that bulky knee that could go uh, I think it's just a scenario where it's going to be kind of a running back committee we kind of talked about this when we talked about Cam Akers versus Swift anyways and Matt Patricia kind of telling us all along that he wanted to play both guys even when they were both healthy Adrian Peterson's got that Daryl Bevel connection you know back from the days of Minnesota and Adrian Peterson really came out and said when he signed there he's like well they this was a team that was going to offer me opportunity to play. That's why right. I signed there. So, I mean, listen, if, we, if we're not if we're going to call Adrian Peterson a liar, then maybe, maybe that's true. But uh, it seems like he had a choice to sign places and signed with, a, you know, a, somewhere that told him that they were going to use him. And I think it's just, yeah, another path. I also think Swift is okay to be excited for an upside stance still just because – uh, he's going to be the pass catcher of the two. We know Peterson's really not going to be involved in the in the passing game. Karen Johnson's been an okay pass receiver, but not really a guy that they're going to they're going to really use Swift in that department. So if he's going to yeah. be the primary pass catcher, if one of these guys gets out of the way or he can jostle away more touches just from being a really good pass catcher, uh, that still gives him a path, you know, during the course of the season to really elevate. So I mean, it is a thing where he lo- he lowers a little bit just because you add another guy to get touches and some more ambiguity. But he would still be a guy that uh, I would still not turn the lights out on. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think it's it's kind of like he's the perfect guy for like by the dip right now in uh, yeah. in Jonder Swift. Uh, so Kareem Hunt, I know we're talking about a lot of running backs right now. Sorry about that, everyone. Um, but uh, Kareem Hunt, he signs a two-year extension with the Cleveland Browns. I think uh, this is something that we didn't really want as Nick Chubb owners. And I, I think even as Kareem Hunt owners, we kind of thought, uh, mm-hmm. you know, this was kind of kind of be his ball out season. And then he would sign and be a lead back somewhere else. Now that he's locked into Cleveland for at least another two years, um, was this due to his value and or Nick Chubb's? Yeah, I mean, it's a double whammy, especially from a dynasty stance, just more so yeah. for these guys, because it was both. We thought that one, Kareem Hunt was just a speed bump on the Nick Chubb, you know, an arc of, you know, being a, a featured bell cow back for, you know, the front half of his career through two contracts. And then, you know, Kareem Hunt was going to go to free agency this year and maybe have another shot at still just, you know, age 26 and being a lead back again for someone else. Uh, and now both are probably, you know, kind of nuked here. He signed through 20... 22 and Chubb is signed through 2021 next season. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. If Chubb, you know, not being a first round pick and them not, they're probably, you know, the team that's not going to use a franchise tag on a running back. Uh, 
you know, not, they don't, they don't have a fifth year option on him either. So, uh, you know, maybe he hits the market or he becomes like a trade piece and that's the way you get open. But right now, yeah, both these guys are kind of in each other's way. I mean, we don't really have a lot of examples of two of these kind of backs working together through the prime of their careers. Uh, you know, we think Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson was kind of a, you know, uh, one that like kind of existed, but you know, it's, 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 it's going to be, they're going to be thorns in each other's side. We, and no, no, no one really knows how this staff's going to use these guys. Um, we just don't know. I mean, obviously a lot of people are complaining, comparing this to Kevin Stefanski's 2019 Vikings team, but this Browns team has just a lot more available talent than that team had as well. So I don't think it just, you can just one off and say that the Browns are going to do exactly what the Vikings did last year either. Obviously schematically, they're going to incorporate some of that stuff, but we have no idea how the share is going to go this year because when we saw the share for eight games last year, it was a completely different staff and they used cream hunt primarily as a pass catcher instead of a runner um, where he was the third best target on the team. But now this team has Austin Hooper to go with, you know, Odo Beckham and Jarvis Landry. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out as well. So no one really knows. I think it definitely kind of puts a, a, a damper on both guys from a dynasty stance like we let in. And then also, you know, you probably need an injury to one of these guys in season league for probably either guy to hit their ceiling. Hope, you know, yeah. hopefully not the case, but that's probably where we're at with both guys, uh, which is a bummer. Yeah. Absolutely agree with you. Um, I'm not going to talk about Damien Harris. Uh, Jalen Rager, um, he looks like he's going to be back for week two. Um, is he somebody that you're, you're still trusting and moving back up now that he could possibly play week two uh, as opposed to being out for four weeks? Or uh, how do you feel about Rager? He'll feel good. He's a guy I did buy the dip on a lot. I will say there is some concern just, you know, I'm inherently – when guys are hurt coming into the year, I definitely just, I'm always cautious about that, but this was, this wasn't a guy you were drafting as a starter. So there's a little bit of alleviation there. Uh, You know, when you're drafting him as your wide receiver four, your wide receiver five, in a lot of scenarios that after the injury, uh, there's a little less risk there. And especially if you have deeper benches or you do have IR spots, you know, you can hold him for a week and free up a spot. Uh, But yeah, still, still believe in the overall opportunity that he's going to be presented, but a little more cautious just because of coming into the year hurt and re-injury, you know, from a re-injury stance, but he's a bench player. So there's a little bit of alleviation there. Still high on on Rager's rookie season though, uh, in a perfect storm. Perfect. That's what I wanted to hear. All right, let's move on to. Uh, I'm last here, week. man. I'm mean, yeah. here for the confirmation I know, I just, bias. I just exactly. That's all I need from you. Um, last week we had talked about our guys that we um, are, are pretty much trying to snatch up in all of our drafts that we either had or are having now that drafts are essentially over, um, heading into the season. We're going to talk about real quickly just some bold predictions. You know, we don't have to go to too in depth on this or anything. Um, but let's, we talked about our guys. Now let's get some, you know, maybe spicy, some spicy takes as you and Sal might have, have done on, was that Saturday? You and Sal, Stefanal did a little spicy take show. Yeah, we did. We did. We ate some hot wings and, you know, Sal gave me a little Sean Evans-esque interview. We talked about, you know, life, the industry and, and wings itself. Uh, yeah. Sal's yeah, good people, yeah. man. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we've got a little, just a couple quick hot takes. I know people are focused on, you know, week one and, you know, we're going to move into that area too, but just a couple out the door here. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's start with QB. Um, you know, mine real quick one is that Dak Prescott is going to pass and or run for 40 touchdowns. I, I don't think that's very, very bold, but I mean, it's, I think it's, it's hot though. I mean, it's hot enough. It's, it's hot. I mean, 40 touchdowns. That's not unreasonable for Dak. I think that's, that, I'm starting off 
Starting off small here. So we'll start with Dak. It's 40 touchdowns. Who do you got for quarterback? My quarterback hot take is that Russell Wilson gets an MVP vote this year. Hey. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm joking. I'm going to go with uh, that Joe Burrow is a QB1 uh, nice. by the end of the season. Okay. Uh, you know, just elite prospect, 95th percentile prospect in completion rate, touchdown interception ratio, uh, yards for pass attempt. He's got, I've compared him a lot to rookie season Andrew Luck. I think he's very Andrew Luckish mm. uh, coming out of the packaging, has a good surrounding core and a head coach that I believe gets it from an offensive stance of, you know, understanding, you know, to run a lot of 11, not run his running backs in the heavy boxes. And then, you know, we've got A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd. You know, it, it, the Bengals have a sneaky, deep wide receiving core in the, in the construct, yeah, the context really of, yeah. of just wide receiver depth. Like when you get to teams wide receiver threes and fours, a lot of them look really bad. The Bengals have guys that at least – they're not guys that are world beaters at wide receiver three, wide receiver four, but those guys are all functional players. Uh, yep. So they've got, he's got a little bit of depth around him as well. So I, I like Joe Burrow as a prospect. I think he's got that little bit of Konami juice. And we always like the Konami to come with a little passing, and I believe he has that. Yep. Absolutely. I like that. Uh, let's go to running back and real quick. I mean, I think, and this is a guy that I've been drafting just about all my drafts is JK Dobbins. I think he's going to finish as a low end RB one. Um, you know, we've talked about JK Dobbins in plenty, but you know, we know the system he ran out of college. Uh, we know what he can do with Lamar Jackson, that backfield Mark Ingram is, you know, on the wrong side of 28 or 30, I guess. Um, for him, and I think uh, just because he's kind of familiar with this sort of system, his athletic ability and what he can do on the football field, both running and pass or uh, catching the ball, um, I think there's a there's a really easy chance that he could be an RB1 if something, you know, even if Mark Ingram is in the mix, I think if you give uh, Dobbins somewhere 12 to 15 touches, he can be in the low-end RB1 range uh, at the end of the season. Yeah, it's an idea. I love, I love Dobbins hot takes. And uh, like I said, I, I think that we're going to see that a lot of running back committees early in the year. And Mark Ingram was a guy that was already 24th in the NFL and touches per game among running backs last year. So he's not a guy that just was dominating his backfield a year ago with less talented players. Um, although Gus Edwards is a really underrated runner uh, in the NFL. My running back hot take is going to be just kind of consistent with a guy we've talked about and, and kind of a guy um, that I was a little bit down on, and it follows my rankings. And I believe that James Conner outscores Josh Jacobs this season, uh, probably not in week one when Josh Ooh. Jacobs faces the Panthers. But, I mean, listen, I've had Conner <laughs> ahead of uh, Jacobs in rankings all season. I want to at least double down and support that take. I just think that the strength of schedule is too good for the Steelers. They have a number two rushing efficiency schedule, whereas the Raiders have one of the worst, especially over the front half of the season, and they're not going to be favored in many games. And I just believe Connor's going to catch a lot more passes than him. The Obviously, the concern is staying on the field. But, uh, yeah, I, I have Josh James Conner uh, ahead of Josh Jacobs. Nice. I, I like that. That's good. I've, I've, I actually haven't heard that one yet, so I, I like that. Well, my uh, rankings are reflected it, so uh, I gotta, go. I gotta defend it. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I like it. I love it. Um, wide receiver. I'm gonna go a little homer here, but uh, DK Metcalf. I think not only does he outscore uh, Tyler Lockett this year, but I think he is going to be a again a low end wide receiver one in uh, 2020. I think he gets uh, over a thousand and double digit touchdowns in this offense. Cause like you said, Russell's going to get at least one MVP vote and that's going to be largely in part due to DK Metcalf. All right. My, my wide receiver hot take is going to be one that probably is, is probably the longest play that I'm, I've got here. Uh, it's that Will Fuller plays 15 games. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
That's what we all want to happen. I'm going to yeah. say that the I'm going to I'm going to go off the deep end here in this. One. I'm going to say the Chicago Bears have two top 24 scoring wide receivers this year. Mm. Uh, I think when you look at we all Robinson. Patterson. There. Oh wait. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> there we go. Ted Ginn. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I really think Anthony Miller is a guy that takes a step forward. I think that the target tree is small enough in Chicago that there's just not enough talent to take away 20 to 22 percent of the targets from Anthony Miller. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. the Bears have a, have a really underrated schedule. You know, they have our seventh easiest passing schedule uh, in the league. And I think that after you get past Allen Robinson, it's, he's just going to dominate the target. So I like Anthony Miller to be a guy that actually kind of bridges his touchdown production from a rookie in last year where he went from seven to two. I like to see something like somewhere I'm in the six to eight range again this year and the targets to be there. So that's probably my, my longer play. But I'm mm-hmm. going to talk about Anthony Miller again, I think, too, uh, in a little bit when we do our starts of the week. I kind of had a feeling you would, but uh, all right, let's, I like that. Anthony Miller. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty spicy. Tight end. Uh, speaking of Chicago tight ends, let's do, uh, what do I have for tight? Actually, I'm going to have you go first on tight end. What do you, what do you got for me? I don't have a hot tight end take. Uh, Cause you know, I'm high know. on Hayden Hurst. I was going to do something on Hayden Hurst, but I talked about Hayden Hurst last week on the show. So I'll just say that, that Mark Andrews actually scores more is the tight end one. Uh, I think oh. when you look, yeah, I think when you look at Andrews, I don't think that's that hot. Um, but you just look at his opportunity. So last year, he was only 25th among tight ends in route run. He played just 41% of the team snaps, still had 98 targets. You lose Hayden Hurst in his, all of his snaps. They, elevate a, they don't replace him. They elevate a fullback to tight end in Patrick Ricard on the depth chart. Um, we know he's got high touchdown potential already. He led the NFL in end zone targets a year ago at the position. Well, tied with Jared Cook. Um, so you've got touchdown equity as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm looking at his just jumping opportunities and finally being healthy and then, you know, still having that high ceiling. So it's not the hottest take uh, of the bunch, but uh, the, I, I'm high on Mark Andrews still being, being really good. Right. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of hot because Travis Kelsey, he's been what, the number one tight end in three four straight years? years? Is that four years around, four years around. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of hot because I've already and said Kittle is going to be the – yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was going to say Kittle is going to be the tight end one this year. Um, but let's do, uh, you know, I don't really have one. I can't follow that up. There's really no spicy takes for the <laughs> No, I mean, it's hard to have a really hot tight end take. Uh, we've all got is. our favorite guys. Yeah, yeah. And we've talked about uh, a lot of tight ends, I feel like, this year. Um, so Hawkinson will be somewhere in there. Let's do that. All right, let's do uh, starts of the week. So uh, this is a segment we used to do on the Fake Goods podcast uh, back in the day. Um, so this is where we basically take uh, positions from outside what you would see in a typical starting lineup. So we take the Fantasy Pros current ranks, uh, QB 13 and and lower RB 24 and lower our wide receiver 36 and tight end 12 or 13 plus. So um, this, uh, these are guys that we think can find your starting lineup or should find your starting lineup. And again, this is going to be tough for week one because we have no information to go off. We have no preseason. Mm-hmm. We don't really have any practice reports, but uh, you know, we'll, maybe we'll start off with a bang here in week one. So uh, quarterbacks, I am going to go currently with the QB 14 on fantasy pros and that's Jared Goff. Uh, I think the probably the biggest reason I have him as the QB 14 is uh, this is the second highest over under on DK right now. Um, the, the, the Cowboys offense, we we've talked about at length that they're going to be, they're going to be pretty amazing this year. So the Rams <laughs> are going to have to basically keep up with them and how they're going to do that is going to be through the air. Uh, the, the Dallas secondary isn't obviously a huge strength of theirs. They have woods, 
they cut Ha Ha Clinton Dix, I think, earlier this week or last week. Um, Awuzie had a tough 2019 season. Um, now they have Trevon Diggs uh, starting currently. He's a rookie. I just think McVay can scheme, has been scheming for this for, for a few months. Um, and what McVay can do in a scheme, given the time uh, against the Cowboys, I think this, this could have a lot of high-scoring potential. And so give me the quarterback in that, and that's Jared Goff. I mean, I, I love that match. I mean, obviously you got a really high game total, the highest game total outside of this Thursday night game. Yep. Um, and then when you look at it from a pace stance, I mean, in just neutral game script, the Cowboys are second in the NFL in, in seconds per play and the Rams are third. So you've got a lot of potential here for a lot of plays, a lot of up and down movement. If you watch hard knocks at all this offseason, it looks like McVay has been really talking about tempo this year uh, and, and pace. I'm really curious from a, a stance of this NFL season, if, if NFL teams and offenses come out and try to play to run defenses off the field, like come out mm. and no huddle if it's an advantage. I don't know. I mean, that's more narrative. I'm just guessing on my part, sure. but if you would think if, if stamina is going to be a problem it, and it's going to be a problem for offense too, it's going to be, but if, yeah. but if you come out and say, we're going to just try to gas the defense, we know the plays, we're going to come out and just play with tempo and see if they can stop us. I mean, It'll be interesting to see if that happens. It looks like the Rams are kind of doing some of that hard knocks. I don't know. That was just some tea leaf reading. Um, but I love that call. That's a game that's potentially high scoring. I think it'll be closer than it was last year as well. Because remember, yeah. the Cowboys went into halftime when these two teams met a year ago and led 28-7, to and then Dak Prescott went through seven passes in the second half of that game. I think we'll get a little more back and forth, you know, in that opener in that Rams new stadium. Um, are they having fans in L.A. or no? I don't even know. I'm sure they are. I'm, I'm almost positive they're having fans in L.A. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I mean, I had a tough time at Corex. I love so many of these guys. This is my kind yeah. of week, and it's, it's crazy that it's week one already. Because you know me, I love, like, I love QB streamers. I love to play yep. cheaper guys in DFS in the position, just the way the position scores. I've been debating, do I go with Trubisky? I've been kind of hyping him up on a couple shows. It's like a, a GPP play. Um, but I think if you're just going from, like a, like, a safety stance that offers some upside, I think if, you know, Tyrod Taylor is just a really good option this week. Mm. Um, he goes against the Bengals team that allowed the most rushing points to quarterbacks a year ago. Even if you remove the games that they played against Lamar Jackson, because they did face him twice. Remember, he had arguably maybe the run of the year against the Bengals uh, on that long, you know, RPO where he spun, yeah. on, spun on like three dudes. Yeah. Even if you remove the Lamar Jackson games, the Bengals still would have ranked 26th in rushing points allowed per game to quarterbacks. They were pretty equally bad against anybody with mobility. Uh, we know Tyrod offers that, you know, Konami floor. I think he's a, just offers a really safe floor. I think there's passing upside here too, because the Bengals are so banged up defensively without, you know, they lose Darquise Denard. They, Trey Waynes is hurt. He's not going to be able to start the year. Uh, so they're a little banged up on the back end as well. Um, and then we know that they come in the game as a favorite. And if they get positive game script, that's when Tyrod is kind of his best. Uh, he's been a QB one uh, in 26 was 46 starts uh, from 2015 to 2018 when he was a full-time starter. So I like his floor a little more from a streaming stance. So we're talking about playing guys. We go floor top. I think Trubisky probably has the highest ceiling of the streamers, uh, but obviously a low floor. And if like Trubisky came out and threw like three, three interceptions that he could get pulled. Uh, like we don't know uh, yeah. this year. Um, so, I mean, I'll go with Tyrod as, as that kind of guy. I also think like Cam Newton and Derek Carr are pretty interesting. And there's a lot of guys. Take Bridgewater, Phil Rivers. There's, there is a lot. I mean, it was, it was, <laughs> it was hard to choose like really Garoppolo. one. 
after 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 the QB twelve, it was it was hard to choose, but uh, I went I went pretty safe with Goff. Listen, so who knew like who knew team. you shouldn't be spending all your draft capital on quarterbacks? That there's just be a bunch. I of know play. it's crazy. It's so nuts. It's so nuts. Um, let's go move right into running backs. Mine isn't you know it's not the sexiest move in the world, but I'm going to go with Marlon Mack currently. Oh, he's my guy too. I see. This is this is why I love doing this. That we don't tell each other who we have. Um, so instead of what I'm gonna say, I'm just gonna have you say. What, no, what no, 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 no. I want <laughs> give me. I want your Eminem take. Right, right. So I mean, obviously, I'm not gonna have the the goodies like you do. But uh, what I love about him is we just saw him. I mean, in, in fresh off of Week 17 against Jacksonville. Uh, Plus, they're they're on the road favorites uh, at Jacksonville favorites. They're, last time we saw him, he was on week 17. He ran for 77 yards, two touchdowns versus Jacksonville. Um, we haven't Jacksonville hasn't done anything. You know, they're 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 basically trying to get that number one pick uh, heading into 2021. Uh, Rivers, we what we do know about Rivers is he loves to check down, and what I think Marlon Mack can offer is some of that check down goodness that sort of Eckler light, if you will. Um, and so, I, you know, everybody's been talking about Jonathan Taylor, but uh, I just can't see Jonathan Taylor having, you know, this, this huge uh, workload heading into week one as a rookie, uh, especially with Rivers. And as especially with this matchup in Jacksonville, I just can't see it happening. And so I think they'll, they'll stay with the, the hot hand and Marlon Mack as their kind of lead dog heading into week one. I think that both these guys will see a lot of carries. And if you look at the two matchups and they faced the Jaguars a year ago, Colts running backs had 52 carries uh, and they ran for almost seven yards per carry, 6.7 yards per carry. One of the games, they had 200 yard rushers. Jonathan Williams also had hundred yards with Marlon Mack when they played uh, in week 11 as well. And they had four touchdowns. I think there's enough where both these guys get enough work to make them RB two pluses. I mean, obviously Jonathan Taylor, if he only gets 14 carries can do a lot more with his 14 carries than probably Marlon Mack can. Uh, but I think both these guys offer like really strong efficiency and you just you know, hope that you have the guys with touchdowns, but they both could have touchdowns as well. Yeah. But I do uh, think when you just look at the Jaguars and like when they started packing it in last year, weeks nine through 17, uh, they had uh, the largest point differential in the NFL minus 107 points over that span. They allowed 740 uh more rushing yards than they had. And the Colts themselves were a really good rushing team last year, even without Jonathan Taylor and having, mm-hmm. you know, Mac missing some time. They rushed for 563 more yards than their opponents in 2019. Only the Ravens had more than that. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's just an opportunity. you got all the offensive linemen for the Colts returning. It's a Jags team that is just depleted defensively. They've traded away all their best players. They've got some, some youth there that's still intriguing, but they're going to be a pushover here. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there's enough. Like I said, I, I expect a lot of backfields to split carries, and I think that this is a matchup where there's definitely over 30 carries between these guys to be had. And I think that when you look at some of the guys that maybe we talked about, like a Devi- uh, DeAndre Swift, uh, maybe even the Ram situation with Cam Akers. Uh, you, if, you've taken, if you took one of these running backs, uh, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, uh, that have one of these iffy week one workloads and we're not really sure, but you took Marlon Mack as like your RB4 just because nobody drafted him. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you've got a week where you can actually play Marlon Mack over some of these iffy guys uh, and have more of a floor with some upside as well. So I think if he was like your zero RB target or your bridge to one of these guys for a longer season play, um, this is probably the best outlook he'll have before conceding more touches to Jonathan Taylor down the line. Perfect. All right, since I know I don't have your wide receiver, because uh, I think you spoke about him a little bit earlier, 
again, I'm, this is kind of safe play, but I'm going to go with Deontay Johnson currently as the wide receiver, wide receiver 37. Um, Giants, they gave the six most points to wide receivers in 2019. And I, you know, I think their secondary is actually much improved. And I think they're going to be a really good unit, but it's, it, you know, like, it's, like we've, we said, it's going to take some time for everybody in 2020 to kind of gel and get where they need to be. Um, we've heard nothing but praise out of Deontay Johnson out of Pittsburgh uh, Steelers camp. Uh, we saw what he could do last year as a rookie um, I, I really don't know if Juju is an alpha quite yet. Um, I think Deontay maybe could be sort of that An Antonio Brown light, very light Antonio Brown um, from based off of all the news we've heard in Pittsburgh. Um, by all accounts, he looks healthy. Um, I think this is another game that uh, the, the over-under isn't, isn't huge. I think it's like 48 right now, 46, 48, something like that. But I could see this game sort of being a potential shootout. And so I really like Deontay Johnson uh, in this game because I think, I think we're going to see, even though Big Ben's coming off that elbow injury, I think we're going to see him kind of slinging the ball around because that's, that's just what they do. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, in interesting to see if the Giants, you know, hold the, if they can hold their pace. I mean, Pittsburgh has let down in these spots before, where we think they're gonna go crush someone, sure, uh, sure. and they don't. They are a good Monday night team. I'm going with a guy, Hinadania, Anthony Miller, who I kind of you know brought up earlier. I just think it's a really good spot for him right off the rip, especially with David Montgomery being banged up and them not really having a, a potential running game to lean on. Uh, they're also road dogs. They're in a dome. Not that it would have mattered really in the season anyways with, with weather. And he just gets a great matchup. So, I mean, the you're not worried about, you know, Allen Robinson versus, you know, the additions of Desmond Trufant, the, the drafting of Jeffrey Okuda. But, you know, Anthony Miller still runs 80% of his routes in the slot. That's where Justin Coleman plays, who allowed the third most catches, the second most yards, and the most receiving touchdowns from the slot a year ago. That includes a game our Anthony Miller caught nine of 13 targets for 140 yards against the Lions and particularly against Coleman he caught six of 10 targets for 107 yards in his coverage um, I just think with the, the limited running game that we could see here from the Bears uh, we're going to see them drop back a little more to throw especially with them being uh, underdogs as well on the road uh, just sets up well I think for Anthony Miller to be a guy that you can use as um, you know, a wide receiver three or flex plus play. Um, like I said, if you have one of these guys, you're just a, that are iffy. And now we're getting a bunch of guys that are going to be tougher to play like Mike Evans and yeah. Brandon Cooks that went ahead of, you know, went ahead of Anthony Miller that you may have rostered that are going to be really tough to put in the lineups this week. I love it. Um, tight end, tight end was really hard for me to, to mm -hmm. kind of nail down this week. Um, Cause when you looked at the top 12, I mean, I, that's kind of what my top 12 would probably be. And it's really hard to start somebody outside of that right now. Um, I'm going to start a great with you on tight end streaming week, unless you want to no. go way to the bottom. Well, like, like I'm personally not ready to like start Ian Logan Thomas or yet, or like, you know, uh, to any of like the Thomas is really <laughs> any Thomas. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. My guy was actually, you know, just the guy that's gotten a lot of buzz out of camp and just trying to buy into some of that hype. And it's Eric Ebron. Uh, kind of a, a you know similar match that you have, but you know on, on the Monday night game, if we expect the Steelers to come out, um, I actually with Chase Claypool and like Eric Ebron getting like a lot of buzz, it made me feel more confident in Ben. But like maybe it's like the Steelers get everyone involved this year. Yeah. Uh, they've got mismatch options. They haven't had a guy in the middle of the field that could wreck the defense, you know, since you know those couple games of Ladarius Green, um, uh, and you know last Portland. year Eric. Ebron, 
last year, Eric Ebron still was 10th in the NFL in yards per route run among tight ends. He still can be, he's more receiver than tight end. You know, we know that is, you know, clear career, you know, snap rate uh, and route running rate is you know, almost 70%, you know, almost Gusecki ish. He's more of a slot receiver anyways. Um, and, you know, you're getting a, a favorable matchup where we already like Ben, we like the pass catchers. So he's a guy I don't have in my top 12. Just like you said, I have kind of a rankings that are kind of similar. Yeah. Um, but if I were to take a, a shot on one of these guys out that I feel more strongly about, it is uh, Ebron, you know, catching a touchdown on Monday night. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind that. And like I said, I mean, these are all kind of just dart throw at this point. Then maybe the one guy that I saw that was out of the top 12, and I don't know where you'd put him inside of it, but is, is Noah Fant. Um, you know, Tennessee, they gave up the six. Where are they going to give up points? And what they did in, 20, in 2019 was to the tight ends, uh, six mm-hmm. most in 2019. Uh, we've seen their chemistry with him and Drew Locke. They've added Jerry Judy, uh, KJ Hamler. These are new additions. Melvin Gordon, new addition. Um, I don't know how much Drew Locke is going to use him out of the backfield. Um, I just feel like the familiarity with him and Drew Locke um, will be there at least. Uh, I, like I said, it, it's really hard to figure out who's going to be uh, a good streaming auction outside the top 12. So I'm just going to go with Noah Fant just based off of what Tennessee did in 2019 and, and what I think Drew Locke can be in 2020. So I'll, and, and Noah Fant for that matter. Uh, I'll just go with him. Yeah, I mean, I think what helps fan, you know, at least come in this matchup is that we don't, you know, Cajun Hamler's probably not going to play. Uh, and then we know Deshaun Hamilton just has really not elevated himself to be like a, a guy that commands a lot of targets. So if they don't really have a guy to work the middle of the field, although Judy was, you know, a guy that ran 60% of his routes in the slot, you know, coming out of school. So he could definitely still take over that role as well. I don't think he's, there was plans for him to be that in the offense though. So, I mean, if Fant gets the, those middle of the field targets that are kind of vacated right now, uh, he's got an inch in there too. I mean, listen, I I'm, I'm more pro Fant than, than out on Fant. So, I mean, just from the, right. the type of talent he is. So yeah, I don't mind exactly. that at all. All right. Well, I mean, that's, that's our guys, man. That's our starts of the week, dude. So that's, that's our first one of the year. Hopefully we, hopefully we hit a few. Uh, hopefully we can come back next week and be like, yeah, let's, let's keep this rolling. We keep the train uh, going. Not, it's going to, yeah. it's going to be interesting. It'll be and interesting. Then they will, you yeah, know, we'll, we'll incorporate a little more of uh, like, you know, going against, you know, uh, the, the, this or that rankings as we do in the season and some other stuff yeah. like that. But I think week one, it's just literally the most ambiguous week one we've ever encountered. Uh, yeah. No one really has a great pulse on things. We can look at these matchups objectively and try to figure things out. But I mean, it, it's with no preseason, uh, on, there might be limited snap counts. Like, things could be, re- things could be weird, man. Things could really be weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, and, and, you know, for one, I, I'm here for it, you know, yeah. as much as, we, as, as how weird this 2020 has been, I'm, I'm ready for the weird NFL season, man. I've always thought that's what made, you know, fantasy football that have an edge in the other fantasy sports outside of it only being really, you know, four months of the year and you don't have the longevity period, but that it's just a tougher game to crack and like chaos yeah. reigns. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm here for the chaos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we're here for it. So uh, that's our show for this week. I want to thank everybody for, for tuning in, listening um, each and every week. Uh, again, we're trying to get this thing uh, up off the ground uh, in year one as the pre snap motion podcast. So make sure you are going to uh, whatever, whatever podcast uh, platform you listen to us on, you are subscribing, you're rating, you're reviewing us um, good or bad. 
but uh, try not to do the bads because that hurts us. No, I'm just joking. But uh, <laughs> make sure <laughs> make sure you are following Rich on Twitter. He is at Lord Reeves. Make sure you're going to sharpfootballanalysis.com. Uh, you you are sub, uh, picking up that fancy football subscription, so you do have access to that worksheet that Rich is killing for the last seven years. And uh, again, I am Chad underscore Scott thirteen on Twitter. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Good luck in week one. Later. Thank you.